This is Nita Erlene, and you are listening to the TRC Ministries podcast. The vision of TRC Ministries is to see individuals fulfill their calling under the authority of the Church using the resources of the Kingdom of God. Many Christians may think about the Gospel as Jesus dying for our sins. Yet Jesus preached the Gospel even before He died. What was it that Jesus preached? And is this the same Gospel that we as believers are sharing today? We will look at these questions and more in this new series called The Life-Giving Gospel that Karis Nordland taught at Country Faith Church in Bemidji, Minnesota. Karis is the daughter of Tori Bjorklund, president of TRC Ministries, and is married to Nathan Nordland, a pastor at Country Faith Church. Jesus died for our sins. Raise your hand if you believe that is true. Now keep your hand up if you agree that that is the gospel. All right? I couldn't see if anyone lowered their hands for that. There's so many hands in here. Thank you for your participation. That was awesome. Raise your hand if you lowered your hand for that part. All right. Would you like to say anything about that, why you would lower your hand? or? All right. So there's more to it than just Jesus dying. Anyone else have something to add to that? So we're going through a series that I've titled The Life-Giving Gospel. So the logical place to start in the first week is what is the gospel? And one question that I would like to ask, and you don't have to necessarily respond, but ponder it. Did Jesus preach the gospel? Did Jesus preach the gospel? And if Jesus preached the gospel, what did he preach if he had not died yet? So did Jesus preach the gospel? What did he preach if he hadn't died yet? So I believe that the statement, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, is a true statement. And I believe that it is necessary to the gospel, as Larry shared. But I don't believe that it's an adequate representation in and of itself of what the Bible presents as the gospel. And um, just a quick note, we're talking about the gospel, right? Gospel means good news. Those terms get interchanged a lot. Good news, gospel, some um, translations will translate good news, some will translate gospel, but they're really interchangeable. So Jesus preached the gospel, and it said um, that Jesus was bringing the good news or the gospel about the kingdom. And I would say if Jesus preached it, it's pretty important, and if Jesus preached it, we should preach it, right? Right? The gospel that he preached was about the kingdom of God. And you might be saying, okay, well, that's what Jesus was supposed to talk about, but we have other things to talk about. You know, maybe we are supposed to have a different message, but we see um, when Jesus would send out his disciples that he told them to preach the same message of the kingdom. We see that in Matthew 10, verse 7. We see that in Luke 9, um, verse 2. He says, go out and preach the kingdom. That's what he told them to preach. And then, even after he died and rose again, we see that his disciples, the apostles, were preaching that same message about the kingdom. In Acts 8, 12, it says, they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 19.8, it says, And he, who's Paul, entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. 
Acts 28, verse 30 and 31, he, Paul, lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This message about the kingdom of God is important. It's what Jesus preached. It's what he told his disciples to preach. It's what the apostles preached. We see this message throughout the whole New Testament. Um, and this has to be a message that we understand and are willing to share as well. So I want to break it down a little bit. What is this message about the kingdom that Jesus was preaching? I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Mark 1 verses 14 and 15. I don't have it up on the screen, and it'll probably be helpful for you if you can kind of follow along and look at, look at it. So Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. But I also want to say, this is not the only account of Jesus teaching or preaching this message. Um, in Luke, it also says, um, he said to them, I must preach the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. For I was sent for this purpose. And in Luke 8, it says, Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And in Matthew, it says, He went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So the picture that I get here is that Jesus is systematically going to every place that he can to tell them about the kingdom of God. So let's look in a little bit closer what he's preaching here. So Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. This is also the verse that Tim Mackey um, talked about in uh, the video. Starts out, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. I'm going to pause right there. The gospel of God. God had a message, right? He wanted everyone on earth to hear this message. He had a big message to get. If, if God was going to do like a billboard campaign across our country, this is what it would be. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is the gospel from the mouth of Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. That is the good news. That's the message from God. And then at the end it says, Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. So Jesus gives us the message from God, and he also gives us a response, our response. So that's where we're going to dive into. Oh, one thing um, is I would read this as a kid, and I would think, I thought Jesus was like a turn or burn preacher, this is kind of how I filtered this idea of the kingdom of heaven is near, you know, repent and believe the good news. I, I pictured some crazy person on the sidewalk with a cardboard sign, you know, yelling at people to get it together or God's going to get them. But that's not what Jesus is saying here, okay? Jesus, when he says the kingdom of God is near, what does that mean? Or the kingdom of God is at hand. Sometimes when we use the word or that phrase at hand, it's kind of like something's imminent or it's about to come. It's kind of waiting in the wings. But that's not what Jesus meant here. The verb that he used actually had the connotation of something that's already happened. So when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he's saying it has arrived. It's something that has already been accomplished. The kingdom of God has come, and it's close, it's available, it's right next to you, it's at hand. It means you can reach out your hand and you can touch it. You can interact with it, you can experience it. 
So when Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand, it's here. It's, it's, it's available. You can interact with it. So then he says, repent. Okay, what, do we, what does repent mean? It's a word that we use a lot, and um, it doesn't mean feel really bad about yourself. That's kind of the image that we get sometimes, but it doesn't mean feel really bad about yourselves. It means a change of thinking and a change of course. So Jesus is saying, now that you have this new information, rearrange your thinking and adjust your course in such a way that it integrates this information. So you have been thinking and you have been living your life based on the idea that God is distant and unapproachable. But now you know that God's kingdom, his rule, his influence, his presence is right here. So rethink, rethink how you've been living, adjust how you've been living in a way that uses this new information. God's kingdom. It's right here. You're able to interact with it. You can even step into that reality. Reconsider. Reconsider how you're living. Adjust your course. Repent. And then Jesus says, believe the gospel. So if we think about belief, what does belief mean? Somehow in our culture, we've kind of equated this idea of belief as kind of just a mental exercise or kind of an academic exercise with maybe some sort of verbal assent, like, yep, I believe that. Um, we think that we can just kind of cerebrally consider a truth and then decide to agree that it's true, but then just go along with our life kind of willy-nilly, not even thinking about that again or letting it influence how we live or what we do. And that's many people's understanding of belief. And I think part of that is the idea of religious belief. But if we take that religious connotation out of it, we have almost an kind of innate understanding of belief. So we'll imagine this is a beautiful wood chair. I'm smiling at Nathan because I'm making up a story about him. But we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll pretend this is beautiful hand-carved wooden chair. And what if Nathan brings it to me and he says, babe, I just made you this beautiful chair by hand for your birthday. But don't worry, I followed the instructions perfectly. It's going to hold you up. And I say, oh, babe, thank you so much. I love it. I'm sure that you did everything great. You're so good at building things. And then I just kind of like start to walk off, and he's like, no, 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 come, come try it out. I just made this for you. And I'm like, you know, I just, I don't really feel like sitting right now, and um, I've got some dishes to do. And he's like, no, no, it'll, it'll hold you up. Just try it out. I'm like, it's, it's too pretty to sit in. You know, it's just, it's beautiful. I love looking at it. And he's like, you don't believe it's going to hold you up, do you? I'm like, yeah, I, I do. I said I believed you, right? Why doesn't Nathan think that I believe that? I didn't try it. I didn't, I didn't act like I believed it, right? I was saying I believed him. Yeah, I know, it'll hold me up. But I, I wasn't willing to act on that at all, right? So are we willing to act on the things that we say we believe in? When Jesus says, believe the gospel, 
it's, belief is not just a disconnected sort of cerebral agreement. Belief is acting as if something is true. Of course, we need to agree with it in our minds, right, in order to act that way. But it doesn't just stop there. It's not sort of fenced off from the rest of our life. If we truly believe something, we act like it's true. So, do you believe the message that Jesus brought? Are you willing to act like the kingdom of God has arrived and is available to you? When Jesus is saying, believe the gospel, he's inviting us into a way of life that hinges on this truth of the availability of the kingdom of God that he has just announced. So, we're going through Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. That was kind of an explanation of that. A lot of this information, I did not come up with this on my own. This was based on readings and teachings from Dallas Willard and other teachings that I've sat under from my dad growing up. So this is kind of a, a mix of, of that. So Dallas Willard paraphrases Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. So I just want to read that paraphrase, and you can kind of follow along in your Bible uh, with this paraphrase. Jesus then came into Galilee, announcing the good news from God. All the preliminaries have been taken care of, he said, and the rule of God is now accessible to everyone. Review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable new opportunity. So that's his paraphrase. And he further explains, this is a call for us to reconsider how we have been approaching our life in light of the fact that we now, in the presence of Jesus, have the option of living within the surrounding movements of God's eternal purposes, of taking our life into his life. We need to understand this message about the availability of the kingdom of God and think about how do we act if this information is really true. We need to understand that Jesus came to bring the kingdom to earth, and he spent his ministry teaching about the kingdom. He didn't, you know, this isn't just one verse, right? Jesus talked about the kingdom all the time, all the time. We are very familiar with um, some of these verses. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's from Matthew 6. We know that verse. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, the parable of the sower. In Matthew, he explains that that seed is the message about the kingdom. So in Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Matthew 13, there's all kinds of parables where Jesus started, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his wheat field, a mustard seed, yeast, treasure hidden in a field, a merchant looking for fine pearls, a net that was let down in the lake. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time. But Jesus didn't just teach about the kingdom of God. He brought the reality of the kingdom of God to the ordinary life here on earth. So he taught about it, but Jesus also walked around and he healed people and he fed people and he forgave people and he loved people and he invited everyone, even the most humble and unwanted. And he showed that the kingdom of God comes in power and it is available to anyone. 
even the ones that everyone assumed would be left out. I want to take a, a little bit of a step back here. You know, this is kind of hallowed ground to step in and start talking about the, what the gospel is. And I maybe trampled on some of your ideas here, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to trample here. What I'm trying to do is add this idea of the kingdom in, in there, okay? Because you might be thinking to yourself, whoa, 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 whoa. What about saved by grace? What about when Paul said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified? And, you know, I think that Paul believed that the message about God's grace and forgiveness and the message about the kingdom were inseparable. I think that they go together and they're inseparable. In Acts 20, this is Paul talking, Acts 20, verses 24 and 25, he says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So that was his ministry that he received. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. So Paul testified about the gospel of the grace of God by going around and proclaiming the kingdom. In his mind, those things were inseparable. So I'm not trying to present an either-or situation, like either the gospel is about the atonement or it's about the kingdom. What I'm trying to say um, is that I believe that they go together that they are an inseparable message. And I'm not talking a lot about the atonement because I'm assuming that you guys know that about that already. And what I want to say is that we need to bring that message of the kingdom with. So I believe that the atonement is true. And I believe that is necessary. But you can't talk about the kingdom without the work of Jesus, right? The kingdom and Jesus go together. We need Jesus. We need his death and his resurrection. We need the atonement. We need the forgiveness of sins. We need the grace of God in our lives. But it doesn't make sense to talk about Jesus and his atoning death and his resurrection without talking about the kingdom because bringing the kingdom of God to us and inviting us into that life was the whole point of the atonement. So I, I believe that Jesus' death and our forgiveness of sins is good news because of the kingdom of God. It was the means to a glorious new reality that was made available to us, and that, I believe, is some really good news. So I'm just going to recap really quick. This is what I'm presenting here. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God, and he brought it through teaching about it. He preached about the kingdom of God is at hand. He demonstrated its power and its availability through the miracles that he did. He showed us through his example how to live in the kingdom of God. He died to pay the way for us to get into the kingdom of God. And rising in power, he invites us to reign with him in the kingdom of God. So, if the good news is all about the kingdom of God being made available to us, 
million dollar question is, what is the kingdom of God? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. But I want to open it up. We have a few minutes left. And I just want to give you guys the opportunity to say some things that are on your mind or ask questions if you want. So if you have some thoughts that you would like to share or any questions, go ahead and raise your hand and bring a microphone over. I was just going to say a great analogy for the chair. And God is just not one-dimensional. We need to look at him just like there are many names of God that define different parts of his character. I think uh, bringing out the kingdom of a God is just one of the neglected things that we do in the church, generally speaking. I just like the idea of broadening our understanding of the word believe. Uh, I thought that was really good, that there are so many things that we give mental assent to without them affecting us. And, and I don't think of the kingdom of God so much as walking alongside of uh, being saved or the atonement, but broadening it out. And his point in that video about us getting saved and going to heaven is such a me-centered gospel I hadn't thought about that, you know, looking at the whole of Scripture with the God perspective instead of the me perspective changes the whole story and just is evidence that we really are self-centered by nature. We don't even realize we're doing it. I like what he brought out about in the beginning of Mark, right? It brings up, as the prophet Isaiah said, and he brought out that when Jesus came, it was part of a story that was already in progress, right? I mean, the story of Jesus starts in the Garden of Eden, right? I mean, this is a continuing story. And what we see in the Old Testament is a God who wants to be with his people. It's sad when I, I feel like there's a lot of people that think that the message about Jesus was you kind of have this conversion experience or you get baptized or there's something that gives you an in, right? And it's kind of like sometimes there's this fire insurance kind of idea that you, you, have, you get the in, you know, according to your theology, you put it in your back pocket, then you just live your life without God or however, right? Just whatever, it doesn't matter. And then at the end, you go to heaven. And what Jesus was trying to say is that there's a way for God to effectively be with his people now. Effectively be with his people. This is a story that's continuing God trying to be with his people. So it's not something just for when we die. This is a message for now, for how we live our life, for a good life. This is a message for our good life, even here on this earth. Is your point that the reason Jesus came was for the kingdom? Like, there wouldn't have been a reason for him to come and die and raise from the dead if there wasn't a kingdom to die for? I think yes. (laughs) So, Jesus, when he came, it wasn't like he had a purpose and then, oh, I guess he died, right? Like that wasn't in the plan or something. He came, his death and his resurrection was in the plan. 
that was a part of the plan. But I think that he did that for a reason. That it wasn't just so that we didn't have to carry guilt for our forgiveness. He did it um, as a part of his effort to try to be with us. And that that idea he presented as the kingdom of God. That his death and that atonement was a means to bring us into the kingdom of God. So yes, I, I do think that um, the point was the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom of God to us. I think just to kind of go along with that is we only need to embrace the atonement once. And, um, and if I just went through every day of my life saying, oh, thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins and never made, took action or changed my life or did anything different. So really the, the kingdom of God, though the atonement is huge, the kingdom of God is bigger and more than just the atoning grace of Jesus Christ. And it becomes partially aware of that when we recognize when he says the time's fulfilled or that there, so there was a time, there was a season of preparation of getting us to this point now, which that point now was then. It isn't now. That was fulfilled then. The time, the time when God would walk amongst us began with Jesus Christ and him preaching the gospel began with the imprisonment of John the Baptist. So it was a clear fulfillment. That season is over and woo, the kingdom of God is here. That's great clarification, yes. Thank you. Uh, sorry, Adele first. She's been having her head, hand up a couple times already. I just like the thought that as we're sharing the gospel, that we're able to share the kingdom as well. That it's not just sharing about the atonement, but that there's something even bigger and there's an excitement behind that of sharing, being able to walk with Jesus and be with Jesus and be a part of the kingdom and all the power that comes with that. And so it's, you know, it, it's even more exciting news to share with people than just your sins are forgiven, but there's a purpose for your life. There's things that you can do now as, that you know that information. I think I probably see the atonement as a transition. Jesus had to come and die and raised from the dead in order for us to transition into this kingdom that is at hand. And I, I, in reading Isaiah 61, it says of Jesus, prophesies of Jesus, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, we're all captive to sin. We're all captive to the enemy. Um, we were taken captive at, in the Garden of Eden when sin came in. And to release from darkness, that's the dark kingdom, for the prisoners. We were the prisoners. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're in, we're, we're being, he's proclaiming that favor of God has come, the kingdom but also the day of vengeance of our God. And so it was vengeance against the enemy and sin. Mm -hmm. Freedom for us, the captives. 
that acceptable year, the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It's the good news. I guess I was just thinking what this means for the church. Like throughout the ages, the church ages, there has been limited. And we think, okay, kingdom, I want kingdom living. I want to live in the kingdom, right? I want to. So if with God, I know the church has been transitioning, right? And there's individuals that have had exhibited kingdom living. And if we're indeed in the end times, you know, I'm just thinking, what does that mean for us to have kingdom living as a church? And how powerful that it's so exciting, you know, but God, I want to see it. It's so funny to hear your guys' input and that kind of clarification. It brings uh, more clarity to some of these things that I brought out. Anyone else? I think we all know that God wants to give us an abundant life, but he also gave us Jesus as an example of sacrificial living, if you will, that sometimes we think of kingdom living and it's like, oh, we get just this amazing life of comfort. And yet, to me, the real emphasis is on the, and I think you said the verse, take no thought for what you're going to eat or drink or wear or where you're going to lay your head. So if our life has been a life of focus on these elementary, basic things that we need to live, take your focus from that because you're in the kingdom now and God will, your king will provide all those things. You focus on the things that matter. And so to me, that's the big the big change that that needs needs to happen in the church, not that it isn't happening, but it just as a arbitrary it needs to happen in the church that the world would see people that don't worry about those elementary things they have they have peace and comfort and joy regardless of those things maybe a little less concerned about our daily jobs and more concerned about what we're doing in life. I appreciate what you're doing this morning, Karis. You're using some terms and things that maybe haven't been part of our language, but you're capturing exactly what we believe and stand for. And I think of Colossians, let me just read this. Paul says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So there's an inseparable bond between salvation and the kingdom. We're not saved. And we say this all the time. We're not saved to stay the same. There's a clash of kingdoms in the world today. There's a prince of this world called the devil, and he's got many people blinded, and they live by the values of his kingdom. When we get saved, God, by his mercy, takes us out of this kingdom of darkness, where whether we knew it or not, the devil had more influence in our life than God did, and we were serving him even though we weren't doing it consciously. We're rescued from that, put into a different kingdom, the kingdom of his dear son, where Jesus Christ is now our king. 
And he's got a whole different set of standards, a whole different set of values. And it's the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. They're both present in the world. And that's what separates Christians and non-Christians is we've had our eyes opened. We've been moved by the grace of God to turn from our sins, give our hearts to Christ. We are now citizens of a different kingdom. We have a different king. And there's a whole new set of values that we live by that are not self-centered like the kingdom of darkness. Yes, thank you. Probably adding to uh, what was already said, but um, just in our own lives, that like our jobs, and people are watching us, and um, even through our actions and um, in, in our daily lives, that uh, people are watching us, and um, they, they see God in us, you know, and we, we're all called to bring people to heaven, you know, or to God's kingdom, but um, I'm kind of repeating myself, but yeah, we're just two people are watching us. Um, I guess that's... Yeah, our lives can be a testimony, can't they? Okay, so Jesus came to bring the kingdom. He taught it. He, you know, he went around preaching it. He demonstrated its power through miracles. He had demonstrated its availability to people through his miracles. He showed us through his example what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. He died to pay the way for us to be in the kingdom of God. And he rose in power and he invites us to reign with him in the kingdom of God. Well, we're running out of time here. Um, I love talking about this. I'm so excited to continue um, next week and be talking about what is the kingdom of God. I invite you, if you have more questions or more thoughts or whatever, you know, strike up a conversation, talk to me, invite me out to coffee. I love talking about this. I love coffee. Uh, <laughs> and so, let, you know, if you want to talk more, I'm available and I'd love to talk more about it. I can also reference to you um, some of the materials that I've used to put this together and some of the um, talks that I've watched and books that I've read and stuff like that if you want to dig more into it yourself too. So let me know. All right, God bless. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And for more information on TRC Ministries or to contact us, go to www.regenerationcenter.org.